Hello, Mr. Bundy. We're ready to go camping. Well, have a good time. Let's rock. I get a open. No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. And here are your hosts, Jerry, Justin, and Al. What's up, guys? We're back. We are reviewing Buck Saves the Day. My name is Al, the great-grandson of Al Daniel Bundy, and I am joined by the guy who gives out potatoes on Halloween, Jerry. What's up, Jerry? Okay, first of all, I don't see why people are upset. You can make potatoes, you can make vodka, you can do Mr. Potato Head, you have ammo for a potato gun. I really don't understand what... Do these kids not know how to have any fun without an iPad? Doesn't sound like it. And we're joined by the guy with four ones, Justin. What's up, man? Four ones. I think you mean aces. (laughs) Oh, aces. I guess that means you win again. Yeah. Kings are wild. (sighs) Yeah, just deal, buddy. All right. (laughs) So, yeah, guys, we're reviewing Buck Saves the Day while Al takes Bud's pals camping. Kelly hosts a girls' night out poker game to buy tickets for a rock concert. Girls Whoa, night hold out. up. Hold up. Did that say Kelly hosted? Yes. But this is from this is from the DVD set from Sony wow. DVD. Wow. They, like, like, one, it's not Bud's friends. Two, Kelly did not host that. Bud's pals. Wow. Bud's, yeah, that's not his pals. Those are literally, like... What does do they think Bud hangs out with like second graders for fun? <laughs> Listen, guys, I ain't writing uh, n- new descriptions for these shows, just so you know. So this is you our know, life now. I, you know what, I kind of like um, our reaction to some of these descriptions, so I'm okay with it. Cause that, yeah, this is unbelievable. So that's that. Things to note, real quick. Um, this is the fourth and final appearance of Louise. That's one of Peg's friends, played by Charlotte Crosley. Um, she was in four episodes of Married with Children. She's the black lady, uh, Louise. She was in Girls Want to Have Fun Part 1 and 2, Earth Angel, and this. <clears throat> and she was in the movie Sister Act. So she has a pretty good career. And it is also the – well, it's the second and final appearance of Fern – who was the other lady. She was in Earth Angel and this, and she was from the Twilight Zone movie where they redid the William Shatner uh, story. She was in Repossessed with Leslie Nielsen and Bridges of Madison County. So she does get some work, but not here anymore. In this episode, we get the third appearance of Michael Faustino. He plays Joey. Uh, honey... Just how long are you going to be home for? <laughs> Two glorious foot-picking days. Well, pace yourself, dear. <laughs> you know, if you pick too much today, you'll have nothing left to pick tomorrow. <laughs> and you know how we all look forward to your annual ear, nose, and tooth medley. <laughs> you know, it's a shame you don't have another arm. And you could just sort of get them all going at once. <laughs> You know, Peg, if you'd wash my socks, they might not adhere to my feet. <laughs> now, Kelly walks in, and the wardrobe, I mean, can we just, can we credit those guys? I mean, who is the They are doing a very here? good job of uh, making sure people are wearing the, the right things on this show. Yeah, that, this red tight dress with these white, like, stockings, I guess, or something, or pantyhose, I don't know what you call them, but... Doesn't she have like a cross necklace on or something too? Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. It's just unreal. Um, oh, by the way, this was written by Marcy Vosberg, Sandy Sprung, Jerry Cohen director. Uh, yeah, it's just amazing uh, what she's been looking like in the last two episodes. So that dress that she had on actually fits really nicely in the glove compartment of a car. 
Yeah. Know that. Yeah, I'm surprised she got up that early on a Sunday. Thanks for the great time. <laughs> oh, Daddy, you're home. I um, I got up early so I could get you the Sunday paper. Where is it? Where's what? Gee, Kill. You're wearing the same dress you wore out for your date last night. How does it keep its shape in the glove compartment of a car? Oh, go kiss your Stridex pad. Now, wait a minute. Is everybody gonna be home today? Not me. I've gotta get some money for tickets to the Oozing Meat concert tomorrow. Now, why didn't you name your band that, Alex? Well, that's what I was just going to ask you. I was like, do you guys think I should have stole that? Or do you think Tears and Vomit makes for a better... Tears and Vomit's so much better. Like, it has more of a punk feel to it as yeah. Oozing Meat just sounds... Like, they're never going to make it. Oozing I don't Meat know. sounds like Gwar-ish or something. Whoa, well, I love Gwar, though. So I've got to roll up my sleeves and work really hard to get this money. Oh, Daddy, can I have the money, please? All the kids are going, and it's only $100. $75. Then I'm afraid that you can't go, Bunky. Mommy, can I have the money? All the kids are going. Crying only works on men, dear. Well, there aren't any more in the room. I've got to get that money, but I don't know how. Oh, my head hurts. I have to rest. Bud thinks that Kelly should just use her wits to get the money. Come on, Kel. Just do like I do. Use your wits. I do. I said wits. <laughs> With a W. <laughs> Mommy, he's spelling at me again. Can we talk about how brutal <laughs> that is? Like, on TV? Like, holy wow. wow. She says, I do. Listen, don't don't correct the boy go around, okay? She uses them, and there's no problem with that. I don't know what you're so happy about, Warthog. You need money for tickets, too. Au contraire, boy go round. <laughs> I have my ticket. How? Hello, Mr. Bundy. We're ready to go camping. Well, have a good time. <laughs> What did he think that kids randomly show up at his house to tell them, hey, we're going to go to the monkey bars today? Uh, Like Al didn't think there's a reason they're telling him. Yeah. And uh, to the left, when you look at the the kids is that's Michael Faustino to the left and the kid to the right. The main kid, I guess you would say Victor on the blonde uh, bowl cut kid. Yeah. Uh, His name is. I never saw Eric spelled this way. It's A-E-R-Y-K. But whatever. Wow, that sounds like some, like, 2016 Seattle kid. <laughs> he was uh, actually, I, I know this kid. I, he was this guy, a character named Pickle, in this movie Dead Man on Campus. And it's oh, so I weird. Oh, I remember cause... that movie. Yeah. And he was the kid who always had the um, the uh, the blender with him. Because he said it reminds him of home. What now? You're taking us camping, Bundy. We own you. We bought you in an auction, see? Go a camping and a trapping with Al Daniel Bundy. Bud, did you sell your dad? Well, you're the only thing in this house we could spare. This I, I used to think that uh, Al's middle name was Daniel. We were going on uh, like the Wikipedia for Marrow Children or something. I don't know. They write this middle name two different ways. And I saw it in a couple places as Dano, D-A-N-N-O Bundy, which really means nothing. Uh, the other way that they spell it, and this is also how my closed captioning on my TV spelled it, was D-A-N apostrophe L. That is a reference to the politician and wilderness guide, Daniel Boone. That seems like it makes more sense. Well, hi there, neighborhood tykes. Hey, it's the guy who gives us potatoes on Halloween. 
it seems like it would cost more money to give potatoes out than candy. It does seem like that. And, like, it's not even, like, I can understand giving out apples or carrots or something like that, but potatoes? That's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, look what Bud did. Wilderness man and trapper learn how to survive. Bunny's trying to weasel out of the deal. How can you disappoint these kids, Al? Look at their innocent little faces. <laughs> well, they, these kids are pretty cool, though, because their little innocent faces are looking up and down her legs in that mini dress. Uh, what, what do you think they told them? Like, hey, everybody, look at this penny over here on the floor. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, like how did they? No, uh... I'm pretty sure they were just like, hey, look at her legs. Because, I mean, oh. you'd see that amount of legs at, a, at a, a beach. It would be weird to say, can you look at this hot teenager's legs? And we'll just videotape you guys for a few seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, I'll take you, little fellows. Yeah! But you're not the great-great-grandson of Daniel Bundy. That's true. My ancestors could read and write. Aw, <laughs> oh, come on, Al. He'd rather go than have sex with Peg this week, the next few days. Well, good, honey. Then we can spend the whole day together snuggling. <laughs> well, campers, let's go get us some gear. Chip in for gas and get me the hell out of here. Yeah! Is, that, is there any sex points with that? Or? Uh, I was wondering that. And then I, I kind of dismissed it pretty quick. I dismissed it just because it seemed like it was more of a joke than an actual gotcha. thing. Because she doesn't say sex. She says cuddle. Obviously, she probably would do cuddling to lead into sex. But I, I think it could be taken as just cuddling on the couch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I would rather slam my nose in a car door. I would rather have a proctologist named Dr. Hook. <laughs> Roseanne Barr do a striptease and take these little booger machines camping. Now, here's my question. Does this mean that the show Roseanne exists in the Mary with Children universe? If the actress does, then wouldn't her show exist? Not necessarily. Well, she seemed to be famous because she was supposed to be Peg. So she must have already been known. She was, but at this well, point, Roseanne was on at this point. Yeah. What did she do before Roseanne, though? That's probably comedy. Yeah, I think it was just comedy. And then, like, she probably wrote for TV shows. Hmm. So, yeah, I assume you have to. I, 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 would, I would assume they're taking a jab at, at Roseanne, which were they were kind of in a ratings war at this point, right? Yeah, it's definitely shots fired. Uh, Bud is forced to go, even though he thought he was somehow getting off scot-free just doing this to his dad. I don't even know how... <laughs> Bud really thought Al would go. Like, wouldn't he think, oh, I'm not doing this. I'll have to return the money. Yeah. Wouldn't you make sure you were out of the house so you wouldn't get roped into it or something? Yeah, like, who would even know Bud sold him? Like, he could. the kids would say, we bought you at an auction. And he'd be like, what auction? What are you talking about? And it, who knows where this could have led. <laughs> like, it really is a great a twist of circumstances that it actually took place, this whole thing. Um, so we get to a new set, the outdoors. For the first time, we're getting the wilderness. Pretty cool. I thought it looked really good. Uh, oddly enough, it, it, I didn't get the feeling they, they just filmed something outside in the woods. It definitely was a built set. For sure. I definitely felt like it was a built set. Yeah, it didn't have the elements of a true nature yeah. feel. Where yeah. Well, Al marks his territory. I, I don't know if he was taking a dump or pissing. But. He had to because he was, he had the newspaper. That's why I think it was a dump. Yeah, and it was so funny because Steve's like, smell that fresh air. And then here comes Al with his new paper, newspaper <laughs> from behind the bush. Uh, and who reads a newspaper when you're crapping in the woods? <laughs> like, oh, my God. That's something you do when you relax on a toilet bowl. Did your parents ever send you off with a man they won at auction to go take you and other young boys camping? No. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, uh, yeah. I mean, but t technically, it, they're probably friends with, with um, Bud. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wonder how many uh, of these kids also came during the Santa Claus incident. Just uh, Michael Faustino, but at that time he was Nestor. 
mm-hmm. who Al had to explain that he does not sprout a tail at midnight. Yeah. So only him um, out of those kids. Um, oh, one thing I just wanted to bring up that I was looking up while we were talking. So um, at the time of this episode airing, um, Roseanne was three episodes into their season two. So um, it's kind of interesting. At the t- Like, you know, it's probably a newer show that's starting to pick up steam, but definitely not to the point where, you know, Roseanne eventually came to. So it's kind of interesting to throw a jab at it so early on. Oh, yeah. They it gets more brutal as time goes on. People get hit all the time. Like you already heard the jab at um, trying to figure out why Bruce Willis is a star. Remember that one? Yeah, uh, that's what Steve did. So he wouldn't get aroused or impotent like this. This will happen all the time. And it, it always stings me when they go after somebody I like. I'm like, oh, <laughs> OK, but yeah, you got to take it because it's it's great when it's against people you don't like. So yeah, take it for what it is. I'm glad you're in a jovial mood. You fall asleep at the wheel, you roll the van, you lose our supplies. And thanks to you, we're going to die. <laughs> Mommy. Yeah, so does your dad's brother. God, that Whoa. joke was good. And also reminds me of the, the mailman joke during the Christmas episode. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get a brand new mommy. I cannot wait till the girls get here. I remember my mother used to have her friends over to play cards. She'd put out the food. I'd serve it. But I didn't mind. I just love listening to them talk about how I'd never grow breasts. <laughs> how I'd never get a guy. How my pelvis didn't stand a chance during childbirth. <laughs> then they'd all laugh. After the rum cake kicked in, Mom would pretend to lose me to Mrs. Happy. <laughs> the woman that could never stop sweating. Yes, well... It was traumatic then, but looking back on it now, I realize, God, I hate my mother. (laughs) But some moms are good. Like Peggy giving uh, advice to Kelly saying, just tell the road manager it's worth letting me in. Ask anybody. And then when they try to touch you, scream jailbait. I can't wait till (laughs) Kelly's not jailbait anymore. But it ain't stopping us any, apparently. No, it's not. (laughs) So, um, <laughs> so the girls are playing poker. Like I say, those two girls come over, Fern and Louise. It's our last time you'll ever see them. Alex, are you gonna are you gonna work your way through that college? Oh God, no! Hi, girl. Did you see that new checker at the mini mart? Mm. Woo! He can work his way through this college. <laughs> what would be the benefit of him? repeatedly making love to you over and over which he would never do where did you come up with this metaphor how how much have you been drinking today the night is young the men are gone the game is poker and the only thing wild is me (laughs) kelly you want to join us sure why not look what my life has become (laughs) playing cards with a bunch of sea hags And even though she had no idea she was going to play and actually didn't want to, she somehow had a bunch of cards taped to her back. But go figure. I don't know. I I like her her Annie up where she starts to like lift up her shirt. When you say Annie up, like, is that like putting money on the table? Then you win it like you put it into a pot. Like, I don't know. I, I see what joke they were going for. But there's no real good way to tell that joke, right. you know what I mean, without doing it this way. So I, I think they kind of sacrificed a little bit of it. Uh, I, lo- I have actually, for, yeah. I've actually played strip poker where you actually did have to bet an article of clothing. And the more revealing it was, the more it was worth. Yeah. So, like, this joke made sense to me because that's how we did it. Like what? you can play, yeah. Where you would have to be like, if you like, say you you put in you you did a sock. A sock yeah. would only be worth, you know, a dollar. But say you did like a shirt, that would be worth, you know, ten. Yeah, say but you, you did still your didn't pants, take it off 20. until after the. Well, the we did. Pant, we did right? it. No, we would do it right then because then you can't back out of it. Then you can't. You if you got it back, you could put it back on. 
Uh, but you were hmm. set. There was no back. Because you, you've you been to parties where someone backs out of doing a dare or something. I mean, JP, you, you didn't back out of running around the beer pong table. So I'd be fine playing against <laughs> you if you were like, yeah, I'll take off my pants. I'm going to believe you because yeah. you'll run around a beer table naked. But some people, I may not believe. They, they may not. So it's a good way of going. You're not getting out of this. Well, I what I can't believe happened is that with Steve being with these guys, that the fire they get going is sticks, but they're just surrounding a flashlight, and he just puts the flashlight on. Like, wasn't there something where Steve was like a Boy Scout or something? Wasn't there some kind of reference? Um, and you would think Steve can get a fire going even with no lighters or whatever, but that was a great visual gag. It is just, that's so Al Bundy to do a fire that way. Like, just total lack of effort. A bolt of fear ran through him as they thundered through the sky. He saw the riders coming hard, and he heard their mournful cry. Yippee-yi-yi, yippee-yi-yo. Ghost riders in the sky. We need Rama. It adds a, a certain tone to this episode, like being out in the night air in the woods and him singing that. He did a pretty decent job, and it was a good lead into Al's campfire story. Fire's lit. <laughs> Tell us a scary story, Daniel. Okie dokie. <laughs> Kids, gather around the flashlight. <laughs> now, once upon a time, there was a young boy. A boy full of hope. He was single, <laughs> thus he was happy. <laughs> then one night, much like tonight, something rose from the swamp. <laughs> he heard a noise behind him. Thump, thump. Thump, thump. He walked a little faster. Thump, thump. Thump, thump. <laughs> then he saw it. And there, in the light of a bar, <laughs> stood the evil... Red-headed, <laughs> high-heeled spandex monster. He ran from it. He stood it up. He dated others, but nothing could stop it. You could hear its wild call. Oh, honey. Honey. It was horrible. Finally, it trapped him, opened, opened its hideous mouth, bared its fangs, and said, Marry me. And did he marry it, Daniel? Yes, I'm afraid he did. And he was never heard from again. But the worst of it is, there's still some of them out there. There might be one behind that tree. Then again, there might not be. But beware, wherever a man is free and has change in his pockets, they'll come a-creepin' and they can't be stopped. Now sleep, if you can. Wow, some story, huh, kids? Steve sings another song. I guess he was just really bored. Uh, Green Sleeves, which is uh, a song that <clears throat> Katie Seagull will sing in Sons of Anarchy. So when our DJ plays a song, he may play that version. I do not know. Now, join me in a little song we learned when I was a lad at Camp Schoharie. Alas, my love, you do me wrong to cast me out discourteously. For I have loved you so long. So this is how it ends, eh, Dad? <laughs> Green sleeves. Steve, could you shut up? <laughs> Al. I'm trying to get these kids' minds off the fact that they are going to die. <laughs> Green sleeve. Dad, we have no food, no water, 
and no loose women. They play a great game called Guess the Name of That Leaf. Okay, Steve. Steve, sit down for a second. Um, You're smarter than this. You're better than this. Um, How did you not see that coming? Um, I know you don't have kids, but you babysitted the the Bundy children once, and that that should have been good for at least three, four years worth of children-raising experience. How would you let yourself be blindfolded and let children put things in your mouth? Oh, that sounds really bad. Oh, my God. Wow. Uh, anyway, so no food, no water, and no loose women. Man, what's going on here? All right, look, kids, you're old enough to know the truth. They left us here to rot. <laughs> but don't worry. We've got a secret weapon. Owl in my hair! Owl in my hair! <laughs> it's not him, is it? No. No, it's Buck. See, we'll send Buck home with a note telling the women where we are, and we'll be saved. Do you think Buck can do it? I know he can. As I've dropped him off in every part of town, he always finds his way home. <laughs> Buck, take this note. Go find Mommy. Run, boy! Run like the wind! <laughs> I think if we keep our wits about us, we'll all come out of this okay. Bees! <laughs> Wait, hold on. Jerry, is that an owl in your hair? That was also a very funny joke that I laughed out loud to. That, and even though it was off screen, it, 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 God, that was funny to me. And then he was getting chased by bees at night. Did you guys ever get stung at nighttime by a bee? No. Is that possible? No. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen. No. Mm-mm. Full house. Read them and weep. <laughs> All I've got is four ones. those are aces honey you mean i win again i guess i'll never get this game right four ones four ones that's the seventh hand in a row she's gotten four ones are you calling my daughter a cheat but where I come from, if it walks like a cheat and quacks like a cheat, we string it up like a cheat. Marcy, think about it. If my daughter were a cheat, she wouldn't be failing high school. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> All right, ladies, this time kings are wild. Just deal, girly. Uh, now, Justin, being the poker expert you are, have you ever had seven hands in a row with four aces? No. I I mean, I think that that's probably like astronomical in terms of odds. (laughs) I can't even fathom that line in in this episode when she when she says, oops, I just have four ones. And then she goes four ones. uh, And then she realizes Kelly won Marcy's frustration. It's almost as if it's the only time it happened. And then they say. You know, like as if it was the first time. And then from there, she goes, you know, seven hands in a row. Also, are they they're shuffling the cards every hand? Yeah, they should Right, be. so there's like a thousand aces in there now. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, th- that whole joke is really good, but they muddled it a lot. Th- I think d- if she would have sh- just said again instead of like seven times in a row. Because then I, again can mean anything. It can mean one time or more. Or if they would have not specified that it was all aces, because they. No, they but specif- I like that all. I like that ones joke though. No, so it's, like, that ones joke is good, but it doesn't work when you go. Oh, this is the seventh time she's had four aces, and she's still calling them ones. No one's pointed that out before this hand. Yeah. Like great concept for a joke, but they screwed it up in writing. Yeah, yeah, they they muddied it up heavily. Yes. Yeah, it's weird. But Very I do weird. I do like Peggy coming to the defense saying, if my daughter was a cheat, do you think she'd be failing school? It's funny. I'm going to jump ahead just to stay on this point. Like, these ladies eventually, you know, leave, and they got murdered in this poker night. And the one lady even says she lost grocery money, and they're all like, you know, they all they don't know what they're going to do, blah, blah. And it's like, but who's the idiot here? Like, after somebody gets all ones... <laughs> Four times in a row, even th- twice, 
Even the first time, I'd be suspicious. But seven, and you're still playing to the point where she she says, okay, you're right, she'd be failing. Just deal, girly. You're playing for an eighth time? Are you that stupid? Like, I don't care what Peg says. I'd be like, Peg, you cannot get all aces every single time you put your hand down. Yeah, that's also just bad cheating. Yeah, like Kelly's not even making it believable. Yeah, don't you don't do the same win every single time. In fact, she needs to sit down and watch Rounders, which hasn't came out yet during this time. But then she would know how to properly cheat. You got to lose some back to them. Right, to keep them in the game. Well, apparently she's doing fine the way that she's doing it. <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> do you think the guys are okay? Oh, I'm sure they're fine. They're with my Steve. He was practically born in the woods. Well, uh, Buck gets a note from Al to bring home. This is my biggest problem with the episode. This is the first time we have seen Buck. The episode is named after Buck. We are 75% through the episode, and we're just now seeing Buck. We have not seen him on screen once until... Like literally right before they go back to the to the thing, like when right before Steve runs across screaming bees, that is the first time we see Buck. We don't see him at the house. We don't see him walk in with the woods or any of that. You do not see Buck until this point right here. Yeah, I was wondering that and I just wasn't sure if like I missed it where like he was with the, the campers when they like left the house or something or like why was there not a line that's like. Like, you know, let's take, take the Buck, come on, boys on Buck or something, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'll get to, to how I feel about that a bit more in my rating, but I just wanted to point out now that this is literally the first time we've seen Buck. Well, he got, like I said, they gave him a note to <clears throat> just bring home, and he's supposed to find his way back to the house. We get a little montage of him running through the woods and everything sporadically. Set Reminded to- me of... Uh... Lassie. It was the Lassie theme. They were actually using the Lassie theme. Well, that's why. <laughs> then. <laughs> yep, straight up. <laughs> so they got permission to use that. Uh, so Steve is bathing his tongue in mud. His hands are wrapped. He has bee stings all over his face. Yeah, oh, yeah, bee stings and, and poison oak on top of that. Yeah, on his tongue, I guess. That's why I put the mud on it. to take Yeah, well, the he, he was rubbing the poison oak on his face and they put it in his mouth. Have any of you guys ever had poison really, really bad? No, I've never had poison. I've never touched poison ivy, poison ivy or po- poison oak. When I was a kid, I'd probably say about eight. I got poisoned so bad. I've never had it since. Like, I've had little spots of it, but I it was literally on my whole entire body, and it sucked so bad. <laughs> it was like one of the worst times of my life. Wow. Well, I work outside and have most of my life, so I got it about like three or four times. Um, usually just I want like it brushed up against my leg or arm or something, and it's always pretty condensed to one area. I never really had it on any entire part of any part of my body. So Steve is not in good shape, and Marcy says that, oh yeah, I guess this is where Marcy says like he... He, you know, he's done all this before. He has a lot of experience, so he'll be fine. And he's the worst off of anybody, including the children. Uh, it's just like a ton of events that just led him to ruins. He's he's basically dying in this episode. Um, so Kelly orders a stretch limo right in front of the girls whose money she took. No, she didn't. They already. Yeah, left. they were still in the house. Nope. Nope. They left. Wow, Jerry's wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kelly has all the money in her hands, and they're leaving out the door when she starts making the phone call. They don't hear her make that phone call because they're out the door leaving, talking to Peg. Nope, because then once she says goodbye to them, she closes the door, then says to Kelly, I know what you did. Give me the money, and then she gives her half. So that is all afterwards. Yeah, but they don't hear her because they are at the door leaving while she's making the phone call. My uh, my argument is that they don't hear her say that. They're, she's not doing it in front of their – like right in front of their face. They're all at the door leaving. They don't hear it. And even if they're not right at the table, I mean they're only what, like six feet away or so? I mean how big is the house from where she's sitting to the front door? 
maybe 10 feet. They heard her, dude. She's speaking loud enough, and it was quiet in that room. Yes, I'm going to the Oozing Mead concert, and I would like a stretch limo. <laughs> oh, and have some lobster back there for me. Getting backstage is hungry work, you know. <laughs> that was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, great. Filthy little cheat. <laughs> I lost my grocery money. Me too. My husband's gonna go nuts. So Peg takes 50% of Kelly's winnings. No, nope. 60%. 60. No, 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 no. But the rule is 50. Every time she catches Kelly cheating to get money, and then this time 60, so she'll learn her lesson. Like, what is that? How often does Peg catch Kelly cheating to get someone's money that she says, ah? Give me 50%. You know the rule when I catch you doing this. But then it doesn't make sense when she's like, oh, we'll go 60% to teach you a lesson. But if it's like, well, why so, does she not teach okay, a lesson? Okay, is it just me that? or... To say you know the rule whenever I catch you cheating to, to win money, you give me 50%. JP's right. That should be teaching Kelly a lesson. So why would 60% this time to teach her a lesson? How does that make any sense? But I got to say, I bet you me and no one else has ever pondered that ever watching this. <sighs> The usual 50%? Let's make it 60, just to teach you a lesson. I want to know how Kelly figured out 60% of her winnings with a sum of money I, that quickly. I mean... I, I was thinking of that, the, the same exact thing, too. I was like, I was like, well, we know Kelly doesn't know what 60... Hell, I don't even know what 60% would be off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you won $462, would you know what to give 60%? How could how could Kelly how much could she possibly have left after all that money Peg took? Oh, I wonder if this screws up her getting uh, the limo. Well, no. Yeah, I was she, wondering that. Well, I don't know because you part of it she knew she how much she had to give Peggy, but I guess she didn't know if Peggy saw it yet or not. Right, <clears throat> she didn't. But what man? What like to make enough money to get a hundred and seventy five dollar ticket plus money for a limo? And giving half of that money away? How richer are Peggy's friends? <laughs> but how's Steve doing? He's doing great, Dad. Who are we kidding? He's a goner. <laughs> I said we put rocks in his pockets and roll him into the river. Hey, that's good buzzard bait you're throwing away there. <laughs> ah, what am I saying? Buck the Wonder Dog will save the day. What's wrong with Mr. Rhodes? He's dying, Victor. <laughs> Thus dies the house of Agamemnon. <laughs> Time to the yard arm, Mr. Christian! <laughs> oh, look, Father, I sat in something icky. <laughs> so Steve is delirious, and he mentions a bunch of, like, obscure things. So stick with me here. Um, he mentions the fall of the house of Agamemnon. That is actually a real thing, believe it or not. It involved the Trojan War. In Greek mythology, Agamemnon was the son of King Atreus when Helen, the wife of Melenius, was taken to Troy by Paris. Agamemnon commanded the United Greek Armed Forces in the ensuing Trojan War. And they say upon Agamemnon's return from Troy, he was murdered by Agatheus, the lover of his wife. In old versions of the story, the scene of the murder when it's specified, is usually the house of Aegisthus, and it involves an ambush and the deaths of Agamemnon's followers as well. And in later versions of the story, his wife is the one who actually did the killing, where they act together as accomplices, killing Agamemnon in his home. So that's what that's all about. Now, when he says, uh, time to the yardar, Mr. Christian, he's referring to a pirate, Fletcher Christian, who lived in the 1700s. Now, Fletcher Christian was a master's mate on board the HMS Bounty during Lieutenant Blee's voyage to Tahiti for breadfruit plants. In the mutiny on the Bounty, 
Christian seized command of this ship from Blee on the 28th of April in 1789. So that's why they say tie him to the yardarm, Mr. Christian. That's what that's all about. So it's super obscure, and I don't know who would get that stuff, but it's all real and factual. Should I get a club dead? (laughs) At least watching him gives us something to do. Oh, cool, he's foaming again. Enjoy it while you can, because help is on the way. Come on, Buck. Come on, Buck! Come on, Buck! Come on, Buck! So Buck comes in, he has the note in his mouth, sits on the couch, Peg notices it, goes to grab it, he growls, and they're like, oh, okay. I was wondering how he wrote it. I didn't pay attention. Yeah, they don't show how he wrote it. And honestly, I actually thought for a while there, and this is just me being stupid and not realizing it, that he would, that he just had like a piece of like tree branch in his mouth, and that was supposed to represent that they're lost in the woods, and that somehow Peggy would know that. But what woods? Like maybe there's a, a central camping spot i guess I don't know. yeah because we don't even know if they made it to the woods they plan to go to since it does seem like they just wrecked their van and went okay well i guess we're going in these woods who knows if they, yeah like, like al they... rolled the van would all the camping equipment like fly off a cliff or something like where why couldn't they just pick it up he flipped a, one where did they get a van from uh because they, these like this is not a professional trip they just showed up and alex you're the expert does anyone own a van no. Okay. So, and then they wrecked that van. They flipped that van, and none of the kids, no one's bleeding. Everyone's okay. They they rolled a van. The van Maybe went, it was Cobra's van. Maybe it was. Do you think Cobra was a nice <laughs> enough guy that he let them use his van? Oh, dude, he's going to be so pissed. Then their fire went out. I meant their, uh, their flashlight went out. The battery died. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they are so cold. And now Steve is worthless, so he ain't going to say, okay, forget it. I'm making a fire. It's time for no man to take a little break in the Jiggly Room. I'm the DJ, and I'm going to play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. It seems my love, you do me wrong. You fooled me with your car. guess not. Oh, look, he's got something in his mouth. <gasps> oh! <laughs> well, I guess he'll give it to us when he's ready. Yeah. <laughs> Buck doesn't let uh, Peg or Kelly take the note from his mouth, but as soon as they leave, he, he lets it go of it and then moves his head. Like, as soon... I don't even think they're up the stairs yet. And he, the, the note's already available. Like, Buck is a dick in this episode <laughs> and then i love the ending the ending shot of him on his back just on the couch like just loving loving life what were we supposed to get out of this are we supposed to think that buck knows exactly what he did i don't know it's almost like you either have to go with well buck's dumb and he just had thought that you know that was his master giving him a toy and he doesn't want anyone to take the toy 
Or is is he a dick? And he's just like, I don't care about Al. He's like thinking back, you neutered me. Or, well, I guess we never. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't yeah. neuter him. But I guess he would have forgot about that because you know what he does remember? Him getting threatened uh, to go get slippers after Al blew, uh, destroyed the computer. That's what he's remembering. That must be it. He's paying him back for the slipper incident. Wow, he is so vindictive. <laughs> Can't we shut him up? We need him, bud. He's keeping the animals away. Don't worry about it. Buck's gonna save us. Believe me. I I don't know. I I trained him. Well, the last shot is everybody freezing in the woods. Steve is on life support, basically. He's dying. Yeah, he's dying, Victor. <laughs> Buck's on his back on a nice cozy couch and when we come back for the end credits instead of showing Al and Peg on the couch like they always do it's it's them in the woods freezing No Man will be right back to wrap up this week's review be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Just type in www.facebook.com slash groups slash Married with Children podcast. Be sure to subscribe to them on iTunes and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children podcast. Now they are available on the TV Time app. Go to your app store and type in TV Time. Join their Patreon and have access to all of the bonus Married with Children podcast content. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now the guys are going to give their final thoughts and ratings of this week's episode. Well, actually, before we get to the ratings of this week's episode, I just want to give a shout out to three new patrons of the show, Katrina Dunn, Christina P.A., and Matt Thompson. Thank you guys for supporting the show. We really appreciate it. And if anyone else wants to support the Married with Children podcast and uh, just say thanks for all you do, uh, just join patreon.com slash marriedwithchildrenpodcast and support your favorite Married with Children podcast. And I know we are your favorite Married Children podcast because we're the only one. But seriously, um, thank you guys and uh, tons of exclusive content on there. I know it's slowed down, but um, as you guys know, there was a big storm that hit New Jersey and 150,000 people went out of power. And I'm a lineman for the uh, electric company, so it kind of put a halt on things. We didn't get to record anything for two weeks because of this and I still need like a week or so to even get a regular show recorded a lot went down in this whole last week and um it might be another week or two for the patreon exclusives so please guys just bear with us um that normally is not something that's going to happen as you know we've been good since we started the patreon um so yeah we're going to get back on track I might make a tang wipe sandwich very soon or a tang wipe wipe very soon so um that'll be something and then we'll hit you up with the uh, second half of that video commentary for poppies by the tree so time to rate buck saves the day how many ones do you have in your hand for this episode jerry Originally, I was at a four, but I've actually dropped it down to a 3.5 for minor, minor uh, sloppy writing. But there's some funny stuff in this episode. It felt this is I like this better than a, the Jim Jupiter episode we just did, because this to me is a better example of a nice turn your brain off popcorn episode. I felt like it it just flowed better. It made more sense. If I'm going to turn my brain off, I, there's still a part of it that wants it to make sense. Um, but there are things that I had problems with. Like I'm kind of pissed off that I was really wanting this to be a book centric episode when we did our, was it the season three wrap up or the season three final episode where we talked about what the new episodes were. And I said, I was really excited for this episode because I wanted to see what buck did. I'm caught con- and I did not let this affect my rating, 
but I was really bummed that it was not actually Buck-centric and that this title was, was basically lying to me. Yeah, he didn't save the day. He did not save the day. He, um, he, he didn't. I also felt like there could have been some more stuff done with the camping, but I felt like they did enough to make it worth it. Um, so yeah, I gave it a 3.5 for minor jokes not working and then them not using Buck as effectively as they could have. But I'll let that slide because the end joke was pretty funny and kind of made it worth it. So three, 3.5 3. Uh, ones in my hand. All right, Justin, how many ones are in your hand for this episode? All right, so um, I did come down a little bit on this one. Um, not much. I, I still really find that most of the jokes hit in this episode. Um, and there actually are a lot. Like, there's the, the um, you know, the, the wit, wit, what is it, wits? Or, yeah. That, I mean, that killed. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, obviously, like, I, l- I like the visual gag with the kids staring at Kelly's legs and stuff like that. And, you know, the wholesome kids and and some of the visual gags at the... There's actually a lot of visual ga- visual gags in this episode. Um, I liked seeing Kelly play cards with all the ladies like and minus like the one issue that we had with the the ones joke like the the ones joke itself hit really hard and then they kind of like muddied it by saying seven times and and that you know but I still think the episode's pretty strong overall and I I came down from a 4.5 to a four uh ones in my hand so same as Kelly (laughs) <laughs> wow, what a coincidence. This episode I always looked fondly on. Um, uh, from the beginning, the idea, the kids coming, Al's reaction, uh, the legs uh, going, everything that happened in the woods is amazing. Steve dying the way he was, Kelly cheating, the oozing meat reference, Bud getting caught up and everything. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a buck episode like you would have thought and even I kind of thought there'd be more even not you know memorizing every minute of this but I don't know uh, to me there's a 4.5 so tune in next week for tooth or consequences Al's toothache forces him to finally see a dentist but not in time to enjoy his wife's rare home cooked dinner